Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Liverpool Comedy Improvcast with me, Ian Luke-Jones. This is where we get to know the people who make up the LCI community and a place where we get to delve into all sorts of improv topics. And today's guest is the geek-tastic Heather Walk. The podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and wherever else you get your podcasts. We're even available on Amazon Podcasts, which means that you can ask Alexa to play the show. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please leave us a five-star review and subscribe to the show to give us a boost and get our name out there. Now it's time to go off script and find out Heather's true story about making stuff up. And please welcome this week's guest. It's Heather. Welcome, Heather. Hello. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I'm super excited to have you on the show today and to get to know you a bit more. I have had the pleasure of improvising you in re- with you in recent times, and I've really enjoyed working with you as an improviser. So I'm just excited to find out your improv journey. I, I'm so excited to talk to you. I've heard you speak to so many of my friends for the podcast already, <laughs> so I've been itching to get on and have a chat. Oh, great. Well, uh Let's jump straight into it then and find out how exactly did you get into improv? Ooh, so in around 2018, I was on holiday in America. I went out for work actually for a summer school and spent quite a bit of time out there with my friends. And we decided that we needed to fill some time and some evenings with things to do. And we were right near Chicago. Cool. So knowing a little bit about Amy Poehler and Tina Fey, I was pushing my friends like let's go to see the second city and we managed to go to watch a gig with their house team so it was sketch and improv all together as one and it was just so funny it was such a fun time to have and I was sat there thinking at firstly this is amazing and I want to do it but also I I reckon I could do that I I think that's something (laughs) I'd be good at so when I um, came back I did look into it because I knew there was a little bit of improv that had been done. I've got a friend of a friend who was involved with Sticky Floor at one point. So I knew there was some improv in Liverpool and I found LCI and I thought, oh, dare I sign up? And I Mm -hmm. kept putting it off and I kept putting it off and I kept thinking I'm not brave enough. I'm not ready. And then, of course, we had a couple of years of lockdown and no hobbies and no leaving the house. (laughs) So by the time the world started up again, I decided, yep, this is the first thing I'm going to do. First thing on my list is to get onto an LCI course. And I did my beginners level one and haven't stopped since. Uh, So when was it that you went to that first session then? It was October of last year. So that's 2021, isn't it? So less than a year ago, but still going strong. So how did it feel when when you went in there for the first time? There's a... There's a funny feeling that I try to explain for things like this. I don't know if other people feel the same as I do or if they think about it as much as I do. But there's that moment of being like, well, I've I've committed myself to this now and I'm a little bit nervous and a bit afraid. And I can't really tell if people around me already know how to do this or if they're going to be better than me or funnier than me or understand the rules more than me. But once you're sort of stood in the room, I always have to just swallow all that and throw it out my head. And just kind of step over a kind of barrier and be be ready to just jump in and I'm so I'm so glad that I managed to do that because the course that I was on 
the people that had signed up were just fabulous. Like a lot of us are around the same age. We already gelled really well. Everyone that was there was already a bit funny in their own way. And they didn't necessarily know a lot about improv. But once we got rolling, oh my goodness, it was just the most fun. Even in the first session, by halfway through the first session, I was like, yeah, hooked, staying, need to be around these people, need to learn to be funny in all the ways that they're funny and just keep playing because it was so good. So you didn't know any of them before that first session? No, hadn't met any of them. A few of them had done a couple of drop-ins. Um, and so there was there was a little bit of experience in the room and we also had two teachers so it was Emma's course but Jen Hardy um, took quite a bit of the um, the teaching over because Emma had just got her puppy oh yeah and needed needed to go home (laughs) so yeah it was that first course was about six weeks and as soon as they said oh would you like would you like to do a second one I think everybody except one person signed up I did the second one and it's a few a few people have dropped as we've gone along just with time yeah. commitments and things but well, we're all still in touch and um ho- hoping to to spend more time playing improv together because I've seen you like improvising and hanging out with some of the people that you're talking about and you would swear that you guys have been friends like forever it's amazing isn't it so one thing about the improv community in general I think is that I very rarely come across somebody where I've thought, hmm, not sure about you. And if that ever happens, it generally seems to be because it's someone that's not quite sure about socialising and maybe was trying to get out and about and chat to people a bit more and they're finding their feet in the way to have these conversations. And improv in particular, right, you, you can feel under pressure sometimes to try and be funny and then say things that you don't quite mean until you're used to it. So there's only one or two people who you might sort of go the first time you meet them. And then once they've settled, they're also lovely. And then these people in particular that are on my course, I mean, like I say, everyone's great, but cats in trench coats, top people. <laughs> they're, they're some of my favourite people at the moment. We um, caught up after the last Boss Birds gig and it was just wonderful. Like my face hurt from laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so talk us through who are cats in trench coats. Who's, who's in the team? It's an interesting thing. We're not really a team at this point, I don't think. So there's been, I think there were 11 of us on the first course. We lost one, we gained one. Then on our third course, <laughs> um, we started doing long form, which is what we enjoy the most. So okay. when, even when, hopefully when, you see some more cats in trench coats, it'll be some long form stuff we're trying to get in the workings at the moment to put together more of a team and figure out how to do that, what everyone's strengths and weaknesses are, what our preferences are. I guess you've kind of got to have some um, some rules when you make a team, right, to decide who's going to fit in, make sure you're on the same page, all the rest. Yeah, so you've basically gone through what I went through with the, the Oikas and how we formed, except yeah. we, we did all of our stuff online, so moving forward we we still predominantly do stuff online instead of in person because of where we're all dotted around i find that amazing i'm i i don't know how you improvise online i've not tried an online session yet i still it baffles me i really need to get into one because i, I just can't in my head figure out how that works <laughs> well it's weird for me because 
I've I've done way more online than I have in person, really, because during the pandemic, because that's when I just really got into it, just before the pandemic, and then it was like two years of just constant online and like LCI during the height of the pandemic, I was doing at least sort of three, four sessions a week online with LCI plus doing other things. Um, and I had a conversation with Emma about it once and she said, Ian, you've gained about 10 years experience in like two years because of the amount of improv you were doing. And yeah, it's true. And it, it really does translate to the real world and vice versa there's slight tweaks that you make for online there's certain games that you can only do online there's certain games that you would tweak from how they work in real life Uh, but it's its own animal and when you've got a team that's dotted about everywhere it's great because we meet every other week online and then we have occasional in-person sessions but they're like family to me the oikas are like family it's just so lovely i mean connecting with people from far away and making those connections with them and being such good friends is amazing. I've heard as well a few people that have done online sessions with some teachers from around the world, which is also just, isn't that amazing that you can do that, that you can hear about this amazing improv school somewhere in the States or elsewhere and join their session. Just get along yeah. and learn from that teacher. It's incredible. And I think that's one of the great things that came from the pandemic, because I know pandemic was hard for many, many people, but the improv connecting online the way it did like even lci was able to offer um sessions from uh improv teachers from across the globe it's great i love um improvising with new people as well Some, sometimes i don't sometimes i think right i want i want to have a little bit of time now with the people that i know to work on all these skills that we've learned that especially with courses you learn a lot in a short space of time right so you kind of want to be with people that you know that you're on some kind of little yeah brain connection with and practice your skills and then you go all oh, right I'm ready now I'm ready for some new people <laughs> with some new skills who improvise in a way that I don't know and I'm ready to, to just step up and do something new because obviously it's different every time you improvise yeah but different again depending on who's teaching who's in the room who's playing I think and if you have that that core group of people it's a bit like a comfort blanket because, you know, or going into that session, if you've not had a great day and you don't feel you're on your A game, you know, they're going to understand you. They're going to be able to play to your strengths and that. Whereas I, I do think sometimes when there is this mesh of new people altogether, there is a bit of um, like posturing like, oh, yeah, I'm going to come in and show you that I'm really good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so. So I've uh, I have improvised with you. I I've done more long form based things with you than yeah. We've done some good long form at the big little improv festival. Yeah, that was a fantastic time. Yeah, it was, it was really good. Um, and and long form is a different animal to to short form. And you said that you drifted into the the long form stuff. So is that is that what you consider your wheelhouse to be now, the, the long form? I think so. I do still enjoy short form. I love getting up at a jam at a Boss Birds gig. Um, for long form, I feel a bit like it doesn't necessarily matter what mood you're in that day. If you're having a bit of a bad day and you're with other improvisers who understand long form, you don't necessarily have to ramp your mood up to 11. Whereas I think sometimes with short form, 
if I'm not really in the mood to get up and be a bit silly, then I'm going to make a really awful scene because you've just got such a short amount of time to do it in and you're trying to remember the rules for the game that you're trying to play. Whereas if you're doing long form, to a certain extent, depending on who you're doing it with and what style of long form, you can get up and be a grumpy character. Yeah. <laughs> and then your scene mates and you together can make something of it. You don't feel that pressure to, oh, I've, I've not got an idea that's funny because you can step out onto a stage and put your head down and that's starting a scene in long form. Yeah, it's like, to me, short form, which I love, like short form is, it's like takeaway. It, it's there, you are gonna you want it and you want it now. Yeah. And then you want to move on to the next snack, to the next snack, where, whereas, uh, like a fast food takeaway, whereas... Um, Short form, it's more it's more of a restaurant meal. You're going to go and sit. You're going to take your time with it and, and enjoy the experience and build to the main course and things. Yeah, and you need to you need to switch gears. If you've been doing too much long form and you get ready to do a short form scene, you can um, you can stall yourself, can't you? Because you go, you're ready to sit down in the restaurant and then you go, oh, no, wait, we've only got 30 seconds to get yeah. <laughs> something going here. <laughs> I do love some short form games. So we've been doing um, a short form for performance course lately and that's short form games but with just those those little tightenings and tweaks that make them something that you could put on in a show um so a lot of things like pan left but i mean my tip top favorite game is dubbing i absolutely love dubbing oh yeah people acting out a scene and you do the voice for them (laughs) (laughs) i love um anything in short form where when you know the people a bit better and you can sort of you see on whose line is it anyway right where you break the rules a little bit because you know you can mess with your friend. Yeah. And you know you can like subvert the expectations of where the scenes go in and you can make them do an Irish jig and things like that where it's you wouldn't do it with people you've just met. But um Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny that you mentioned dubbing there because um dubbing has become a big favorite of the Oikers, but it's a slightly different version. It is and it is because we do it on Zoom. We I've been playing the classic sort of whose line style dubbing where I actually put old film clips on and then they oh, get to yes. do the voices and uh, Jeff head absolutely loves it. He's obsessed with that game. Amazing. Oh, I bet Jeff's great at that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's really good at it. Um, and you could just see his eyes light up if he knows we're going to do that. <laughs> uh, it's a weird game to prepare for because you have to sit and sort of, watch clips of old films and think, oh, I think that one would work. There's enough people in that scene and it looks like they could turn that into something funny. Yeah, I've always wondered how on TV, how they pick those scenes, because if it's just a really boring two people talking and not much action, yeah. you must have to spend quite a lot of time looking through for something where there's um, a little joke to be made. Yeah, it takes a bit of prep time, but it's definitely worth it because um, I know how much like the people enjoy playing it. I love it. There are some some great short form games out there and I feel like I'm never going to learn them all as well. That's another nice thing about short form is you can feel like you know what's going on and then someone goes, oh, have you played this other game? And it's something completely bonkers. And sometimes as well, people know the same games and they know them by different names and it gets really confusing. It's like, oh, we're going to play such and such and think, oh, good, I know this game. And then they start and you're like, huh, that's not the game I know. Yeah, we had a point where we made up a game um, when we're pretty sure it exists, but we're never going to check. We called it Best Day Ever, and it happened because after a session one day, the um, Cats in Trench Group crew were sat around in the pub having a drink, 
and someone was talking about having been to a speed awareness course and she was saying it was actually such a great day we had a lovely time we met everyone made friends we're still in touch you know we went for our lunch (laughs) and it was just so funny that everyone else was sat kind of a bit befuddled at what can be enjoyable about spending a day on a speed awareness course but she was she just lit up explaining so we were saying this is this is a new format for a game now it's called best day ever you get a suggestion of something really boring from the audience and you've got to make it the greatest thing so it could be you know like to queue up in the passport office and then you'll explain how it was effectively like a wedding and oh I felt so beautiful dressed up as a bride and we've got the <laughs> caterers in and there was a band I'm pretty sure it must exist somewhere, but we're not we're not gonna check. We're gonna we're gonna say that's our game. Well yeah, it's it's a weird thing, like inventing improv games, because I've invented quite a few, as far as I'm concerned. But then I a couple of them I've discovered, oh, that game already exists to mm. other people and they know it, they know it by a slightly different name. But to me, I still invented it. I didn't encounter it anywhere else. I th- I thought of it in my head. It was an original idea. It's just someone else has had that same idea somewhere along the line and created basically the same game. And you never know when that happens if you're sort of sad because you didn't think of it first or proud because it does already exist and you also thought of that separately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a weird thing. <laughs> um, so I just want to talk to you about your background a bit because uh, mm-hmm. I want to find out do you have a performance background at all? I don't. Well, well, depending on what you call performance. So I would say I am not arty. Okay. I could do crafts, but anything that comes to interpreted art of any form, I, I don't get. I enjoy films. I enjoy music, but I, I don't know how to talk about films with film people or music with music people. I don't know how to look at a painting and understand <laughs> what on earth the painting means. I just know if, it's, if I like it or not. My background's actually in science. It's in physics. So arguably just the most mathematical and ordered of the sciences. But since ooh, before I did my A-levels, up through towards even the end of doing a PhD, so seven or eight years, I worked for a company that taught science in schools to primary school children. So a lot of the people that worked there were actors because they argued it's easier to teach this science to actors than it is to teach scientists how to get up and entertain a bunch (laughs) of eight-year-olds. And um, I don't want to diss scientists, but the company policy wasn't wrong. (laughs) So I spent a lot of time up in front of children making fires and explosions and mixing chemicals together in after school clubs that are a bit more educational and then doing things like birthday parties and corporate fun days and um, summer camps and things like that. So being in front of an audience is something that I was comfortable with but I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily a performer. I've not been okay. in a play. I've not um, I've not been a dancer or anything like that. A lot of people that come through improv have done like drama at uni or they at least did it in their A-levels. I don't even know that if that was an option at my school. I probably right. didn't even check because I was just so adamant <laughs> that I was going to do maths, that it was a, a done deal already. <laughs> <laughs> but the arts is probably linked in a way that people don't realise to, to science in that, it's a formula. It's about finding the right formula. Like if, if I do this and then add it to this, then that will equal this. And that should mean a laugh. Yeah. 
so that that's what I um I do a bit more of now. I work for a company that designs exhibitions for museums, and I I can be quite methodical looking at how I want something to work, and then I get to listen to all these people with these crazy backgrounds that have you know they've worked in auction houses for fossils and antiquities or they've developed all this interpretation that goes with some huge museum about some kind of completely bonkers modern art and things like this and listening to people talk about art makes me panic at work because I think I can't keep up with this I'm gonna sound really dumb because I don't know the words and then doing improv I kind of realize you know hang on a minute improv isn't just about being funny it it is art and hearing people talk about improv in an arty way it's fascinating and it, it's in a nice way for me it gives me a bit more vocabulary when I'm at work and I'm ready to talk about you know oh, the juxtaposition of the <laughs> positive and negative <laughs> see I love that improv can just be so different like you can have a whole group of people in a room together doing the same thing and every single one of them approaches it differently and it's like yeah that's great that's their style and their style in other i think in other mediums like styles can clash but in improv there's always a way to make it work yeah yeah i love it um like i said about cats in trench coats i'm gonna just keep saying the name because i, I need to make this team happen um, <laughs> or a thing um there are people that are so good at so many different things and when you when you put them together you just get something completely different right you you get your sort of your pensive player who's very good at mm -hmm, yes I'll, I'll take what you say and I'll stew on it for just a second and then give you something quite intelligent back and then you get your players who are really good at big characters and big reactions and a scene's going to go two completely different ways based on the same sentence being said to either person and that that is if you say the exact same sentence with the exact same inflection and then you can you can just say the the, the phrase differently right you can say oh do you want a cup of tea or you can go oh, do you want a cup of tea <laughs> and that's going to make a completely different scene and uh the number of different possibilities from one prompt it's fascinating yeah it is crazy because everyone thinks so differently and i like catching people out as well uh, so <laughs> just by simple things. So I, I love short form and I love puns and people know I love puns and I throw, mm -hmm. I throw them in even when we're not in scenes. I'm just, when I'm sat on the side or whatever, I'm always make, making jokes about whatever is said. Uh, but then sometimes I love getting up in a scene and maybe it's a bit more long form and I'm like, Oh yeah, this is, this is serious. I'm going to, I'm going to be an actor for a bit and I'd get all, deep and emotional and people keep expecting me to say something funny and then it doesn't happen and then they're like oh how shocking he didn't say a joke yes yes <laughs> being able to be whoever you want to be that day and I've seen people who have got a particular skill like you say with your puns that someone might be really really good at one thing and then decide actually I've got that in my arsenal now I'm going to work on something completely different and you you might see someone start using puns or start using accents or just completely change how they do their object work and things like this and that's I guess how you um how you progress as a performer is to know what you're good at know when to practice it and then pick which other bits you want to improve so let's just talk about accents because you mentioned accents there now I know you do an excellent Scottish accent oh thank you I've been working on it <laughs> <laughs> but do you do other accents not often I worked on a Welsh one for a while and I am 
I brought out in a scene with Jen Hardy and I was quite proud of my nice slow Welsh accent and then she did she sort of yes anded me and gave one back that was very much more sort of um a Gavin and Stacey accent okay and then I just felt like oh man no my my serious little slow Welsh accent (laughs) (laughs) it's not competing here I'm working on I'll, I'll tell you my secret now I'm working on um like an Adelaide from Guys and Dolls Okay. I was, I was walking around my parents' house. My parents have just had to adapt to the improv lifestyle. I um, <laughs> I throw clicks to my mum, and she catches the clicks and throws them back. That's quite nice. <laughs> I was playing um that game that we've played a few times where you slap your legs and then pick a direction, and then when your oh, partner yeah. picks the same direction, you yay, you high five. That's my mum and my sister play that with me in the kitchen now when we go visit my parents. <laughs> But um, yeah, was, I walked around the house with my mum talking in accents. So we were doing like poison can develop a cough for like a whole day. And she just rolled with it. She's um she's an improv mum now. <laughs> the uh, the yay game that you mentioned there, I played that yesterday with a group of children that ranged from six to fifteen and it, it blew their minds. They just oh. couldn't get their head around it at all. <laughs> I think it's one of my favorite things that I've done in improv. I accidentally played it with another improviser that I hadn't played it with before okay. while we were out dancing. All right. And yeah, we were just in a bar and we were having a nice dance. And um, somehow, <laughs> this is this is how we started going in a direction. And then when we noticed that's what we were doing, it became the yay game. And as I say, <laughs> we we had never been in the same room and played that game together before. It just it just happened organically, like improv. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, there's something I'm really keen to talk to you about, and that is your love of Star Wars. Yes. Uh, so um, I, I noticed straight away uh, when I saw Heather at a festival, uh, what, about a month or so back, was it? Oh, is that all? Um, that she had this awesome Star Wars bag. And then I've seen that your profile picture on Facebook is you with Luke Skywalker himself, Mark Hamill. Yeah. So I just want to talk, well, first of all, where was it and, and how did it come about that you met Mark Hamill? And second of all, just tell me about your love of Star Wars. The Mark Hamill story is actually, I think, pretty great. So it was while they were filming um, The Force Awakens. So yeah. it's Mark Hamill kind of being back on the scene a bit more for those of us that haven't listened to a lot of him doing his voice acting. Um, and my sister at the time was working in the Beatles story in town in the gift shop. Oh. And every now and then someone famous would walk through. So like she met Jeff Dunham and she met, um, I think, a member of Led Zeppelin at one point. And working there, because so many famous people are fans of the Beatles, there's a bit of a policy of leave the celebrities alone. You can't ask yeah. for autographs. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't ask for pictures. So one day I was in town with a friend. And we got on the bus to come home and make some tea. And my sister phoned me on the bus and was like, oh my God, Heather, oh my God, oh my God, I've, I've just met Mark Hamill. Now, my sister is a Star Wars fan, but she's not the level I am. Okay. And of all the people that she loves in Star Wars, Mark Hamill is not her tippity top. He's my tippity top. Okay. And I actually yelled at her on the phone in the bus. I was like, what? <laughs> did you did you get an autograph for me? And she was, no, Heather, that's, that's policy. We're not allowed to. And I was, I was furious. And then she sensed this <laughs> and she said, well, 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 he's, he's going off on the magical mystery tour bus around the city, but he said he might come back for some more souvenirs later. And I was like, 
okay. So I ran into my flat with my friend. We dumped our shopping on the floor, grabbed my car keys and drove back into town. And we just waited. We just sat there outside the Beatles story for half an hour, an hour. I'm not really sure. Just waited for this poor man like stalkers. <laughs> um, and then he did appear and he, um, he was the loveliest man. And I had never understood before when people would sort of meet celebrities. Like there were a few girls when I was in school who would go and meet like singers. There was one that loved Taylor Swift and she'd go to Taylor Swift every gig and write Taylor Swift letters and she'd hug her at the gigs and get pictures with her. And every time she'd be in tears and I, I didn't really understand it. And then I met Mark Hamill and genuinely I couldn't speak. And I've, <laughs> I've got the gift of the gab. I can talk to anyone about anything for as long as is necessary and I, I couldn't speak to Mark Hamill I was just like no hello and my friend had to say this is my friend Heather she's a very big fan could we possibly <laughs> trouble you for an autograph could she take a photo so I got like a little hug from Mark Hamill just me shivering and not not actually being able to speak but I think even about half an hour afterwards I think I had to drive home in silence because <laughs> I couldn't speak because I'd met Mark Hamill See, I I once lost it when he retweeted me and quoted my tweet and like answered it. But like to actually meet him, like that would be to be living the dream. So I'm very jealous of that. <laughs> I went to um, Celebration Europe. I think a couple of years later, it was in London, and that's the, the, one of the big official Star Wars like conventions. And we went to see him on stage doing all this like chatting to the crowd and stuff. And I did I did feel a bit like I knew you. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're chums. <laughs> I've met um, I've met David Prowse, who, who was Darth Vader in the suit in the originals, and I've met Ian McDermott, who's the Emperor. Yeah. Uh, so they were cool to meet, but um, yeah, I would very much love to meet Mark Hamill. I've crossed paths with Warwick Davis a few times. I've not spoken to him because it was when it, it was a few times at conventions where he's been out and about on the floor, and I didn't really just want to you don't want to hound someone when they're there, yeah, having their break effectively. And then I went to see a show in London, um, not on the West End. It was called Eugenius. I don't suppose you've heard of it. I've not you heard would of love it. it. Oh, yeah? um, it's about um, a guy who's writing a comic book, and the comic books sort of come into life, and it's all spacey. And Mark Hamill actually does the voice of a robot that's in it. But um, Warwick Davis was one of the producers, and I went on its last night when they thought that it was going to move to another venue and then they just found out that it wasn't going to move. It was just going to get like finished and finalized. So they had that night and the next day there was going to be a matinee. So that night was like all the big fans were there, all the like West end bloggers and the sci-fi bloggers. I was sat between this couple that had a podcast all about nerdy things and a guy who it turned out had done like, the lighting rigs for the show and then Warwick Davis was behind us and I was just on my own surrounded by people who had seen this show so many times they knew the songs they knew the dance moves and um in the in the intermission they're chatting away to Warwick Davis and I just felt out of my depth I thought (laughs) I I can't just be like hello I'd never heard of this show before but I'm a fan I'm enjoying it goodbye that would be a bit um a bit much when they've just found out that they're not even going to get to carry on at another theatre I hope it comes back. If it does, you definitely need to go see it. It was fantastic. So Warwick Davis is really big into um, getting um, oh, 
I, I don't know I don't know what the official term is mm-hmm. for for people of of their stature and I don't want to say the wrong thing and I don't want okay. to offend anyone um but he's very big in getting uh, work for for others like him and I was at a convention once and Warwick Davis was there but instead of going to meet Warwick Davis I saw one of the people that was actually working for him on his team he was just there oh. like helping out sell his merch and stuff and I was like oh my god that's Ray from Ministry of Mayhem which, <laughs> which was uh, a Saturday morning TV show uh, years back for anyone that doesn't know it was um, Holly Willoughby, Stephen Mulhern, uh, Saturday mornings on ITV and Ray was on it as well and he would just do all this crazy stuff and they did this thing called Ram It Ray where he just wore a helmet and callers called up and basically chose a door and he had to run headfirst into the door and if the door was solid they didn't win a prize and if the door <gasps> was a paper door and he ran through it they won a prize and i was <laughs> so warwick davis was there but i was super excited i was like oh my god that's ray so i was like can i get a picture with you and he says oh i'll just have to go and ask warwick because i'm just like, working for him oh. um and then warwick said it was fine and then he came out and uh, we had a lovely chat and had a picture together oh that's amazing <laughs> um so yeah, when did when did your love of Star Wars start? I'm gonna say, by my reckoning, 1997. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my dad coming home with um, the trilogy VHS oh, special yeah. editions, and they came out in '97. So I think it's about then. So I'd have been about five, um, and. I remember a few times in my life or my childhood, my dad doing this sort of coming in and being like, right, family, sit down. We're putting this film on. It happened with the Fellowship of the Ring as well. So I'm also obsessed with Star Wars. Uh, with Lord of the Rings. Oh. I'm obsessed with both, all nerdy things. Um, but I remember my dad coming in with this, this set of videos. And as you do when you're a kid, you're sort of like, oh, dad, oh, I don't want to watch what dad's going to put on the telly. And now I was hooked. So... Me and my sister had, I do have two sisters. One is just not into the nerdy stuff. So she doesn't come up in these conversations. But the other one, um, we're closer in age. And we loved all the nerdy stuff together. So our bedroom was full of, you know, Death Star toys and Lord of the Rings posters and books and Harry Potter and Hitchhiker's Guide. It was great. I've got a good friend who absolutely loves Lord of the Rings and he was totally obsessed mm-hmm. with it when the films came out and stuff. And you know, I like Lord of the Rings, uh, but I'd, there's other things I love a lot more, including mm-hmm. Star Wars. And we've had like this 20 year back and forth where we'll just come back to each other as to why like our thing is better than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny, the rivalry, isn't it? I was always shocked being in physics for so long because I thought oh this will be like the big bang theory right and in the big bang theory they love all the nerdy stuff anything they can get their hands on in physics it was a bit more um yeah there there were rivalries there were people who didn't care at all about Star Wars because they're a Trekkie whereas I I don't have any connection to Star Trek I've got nothing against it (laughs) yeah and I just I just like talking about things I remember having a bit of an argument with somebody once in physics because he came over and was like, oh, you like Star Wars, don't you? Um, let's rip apart the sequel trilogy and just be really negative about it. And I was thinking, why? There are there are things that you don't like about it. That's fine. But 
you can you can make criticisms the way a fan makes criticisms but all he actually wanted to do was be really really negative and I thought what's the point why be a nerd and be into all these fun interesting things just to be really grumpy I feel exactly the same way I know people that claim to be sort of quotation marks here fans of something but then Mm. all they do is complain about it and I'm just like well if it really gets you down that much, I don't think you like it. Like, just, just go yeah. and find something that you like. <laughs> like, yeah, it's totally fine. You don't, you don't have to ever think about Star Wars again if you don't want to. You can go and find anything else that brings you joy. And it's like I remember Game of Thrones. The, the end of the show, the TV show, came mm-hmm. along, and everyone just absolutely pooed all over it. And they were just like, "No, that's not how it should end. It's rubbish. It's blah blah blah." And I had to say to people, "Look." it's not your story. Like, just because you want it to end a certain way, this is how it ended. Uh, and yeah, it may not have ended how you wanted it, but that is someone else's story that they have told. Like, but don't hate on everything that came before it because you loved it. You just didn't perhaps love that bit, but you still loved the show for like eight, nine years and whatever. Yeah. And I hate anyone saying, oh, it's ruined the first four seasons that I always thought were good. And you're like, just, just watch them. Forget yeah. about the rest if we don't let the ending. Actually, um, that makes me think about improv. Oh, look at that segue. Um, even when you're in a scene with someone, and particularly when you do long form and maybe a whole set where scene by scene it builds up a story with some characters, sometimes you have an idea for where you want it to go and you don't get in there quick enough or you don't make your point as strongly or other people just decide that they're not going to pick up the point that you've made and they're going to go in a different direction. And even then, I don't get salty. I don't get angry and say, oh, well, I was in this and it didn't go my way. So I can't imagine being that annoyed about a TV show when I had nothing to do with it. I didn't write it. I didn't invent this world. <laughs> it's really not my right, as you say, to um, tell someone how their story should have ended. Yeah, because like, there's been loads of Star Wars criticism, particularly with the, the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to say I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I'm going to say I'm a fan. I blooming love The Phantom Menace. I'll admit to that. To me, Revenge of the Sith, that moment where Obi-Wan and Anakin are having are having their duel and then we, 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 we discover, oh, this is what this is how he becomes like Darth Vader. This is where Anakin sort of is no more. And uh, there's that exchange and he's like, I-, I love you like a brother. And he's like, I hate you. And I'm like, that's so emotional. How can people not be drawn in by that? It's so good. And I'll I'll admit as well, in the original film in episode four, Luke's really whiny and annoying. And it's, it's, I sometimes will skip that one if I'm watching it through or I don't pay full attention because I love Empire Strikes Back. That's probably my favorite, which I think is common amongst Star Wars fans. But they've, they've all got pros and cons. They've all got things that are great about them. They've all got things that are worse about them. I really hate anyone, um, being rude about special effects I think special effects these days are quite overused and so I I really enjoy I was watching Princess Bride with some friends recently and someone who hadn't seen it and he was just completely unimpressed by the Princess Bride and it's it's perfect it's lovely it's not supposed to be you know Hollywood special effects it's supposed to be a bit of a fantasy satire like with a with a guy dressed as a giant rodent in a rodent suit you know it's beautiful <laughs> well one of my favorite films of all time is the labyrinth i absolutely yes. adore the labyrinth i'm obsessed with it and i have encouraged uh, ch- children over the years to watch it children that i teach 
and because it's on Channel 5 all the time. Mm-hmm. And I've said to them, just find it. It'll be on Channel 5 at some point in the next couple of weeks. And, <laughs> and, you're, and you're never wrong. You never have to wait more than two weeks. <laughs> and then they'll come and tell me, like, sir, I watched that film. It was rubbish. And I'm like, what? They were like, oh, no, the special effects are rubbish, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, guys, it's puppets. It's like really, really like top quality puppeteering that yeah. you just don't get these days because you're just full of CGI. But they're just so used to CGI and stuff. They just don't appreciate the craft of, mm-hmm. of the puppetry and stuff, which to me is immense. And I'm really glad that when they brought back The Dark Crystal and did that Netflix series, yeah. that they were true to the original and they did all of the puppets exactly as they were originally done. I think it's great. There was that debate about Yoda in Star Wars mm. because he was CGI in the prequels. I thought he looked pretty good. Then they brought him into the sequels as some... Did they try and do CGI to make it look more like a puppet? Yeah. There was there was an odd decision somewhere there. I think the thing with the thing with the prequels is what they wanted Yoda to be able to do wouldn't work <laughs> as a puppet and they were like oh well we have the technology now so let's use the technology so I, I think there was a good reason for it yeah and there's there's something about the the era and the the techniques used I think Lord of the Rings in particular is a great example of having used a lot of special effects but still using a lot of techniques on set and I yeah. find that fascinating how you can do things like make the hobbits tiny and the humans big without having to just photoshop them in yeah (laughs) it's fascinating but then you look at something like um stranger things where again i i love stranger things it's great the most recent season i get kind of get the feeling they've overused their special effects there's there's something that it's missing that um like in jaws where apparently steven spielberg didn't like the shark i think all sharks look like puppets so I think the, jo- the shark in Jaws looks like a shark. <laughs> yeah. but he hid it away and that, that made it scarier because you see it less. And now there's so much special effects about that you kind of, sometimes you watch something and you go, oh no, now you've, you've shown me too much and it's, it's not as scary anymore or it's not as exciting anymore or it's not as wow because you've just, the whole thing is special effects. Yeah, I think, I think there was a time when that that was the thing you allude to this thing but you never mm-hmm. really reveal it because then it builds and builds and you finally see it and you're like oh, wow yeah that that's everything but i think everything is just overexposed these days and everyone wants everything now so everything is like okay yeah we're going to show you but we're going to try and make it as scary as possible we're going to try and make it as gory as possible and as bloody as possible so yeah. we'll we'll shock you with how gory we'll make it and how scary we'll make it and we'll show it you as much as possible it's so risky as well because you are reliant on your CGI being absolute tippity top. Yeah. And some sometimes it just misses the mark. Do you remember when they brought out the um the new Sonic the Hedgehog? Did you see <laughs> when they, they released their first taste yeah. of what Sonic was gonna look like and the internet was just so angry about it that they had to redo all the animation? Well, what about cats? I didn't even watch it because it just looked terrible. It looks terrifying. I can't. I, I don't think I'm ever going to try and watch it. No, I don't think. I don't think even the people in it ever want to watch it. From what I can gather, <laughs> <laughs> didn't work out. Imagine being that excited and thinking, "Oh my goodness, I'm going to be in cats in a film," and then seeing the promos and having to think, "Nope, never, never going to watch myself in that film." Yeah, I have to think that about actors. What if your big break? 
is in something that you think is going to be massive and then it turns out to be a film that's a massive flop i'm like that must be such a disappointment yeah and so much of it comes down to the editing in the end as well yeah. which take gets chosen how they get sewn together mm. totally just one more yoda thing uh, before we, before we <laughs> just move the on. one just one um is i want to encourage people to go and find an image of the guy that actually sculpted the yoda puppet because mm. he looks like it it's like it's like he's based it on him oh i don't know i'm gonna have to have a look later that's my uh, my next thing for today <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah let's bring it back around to improv moving forwards what do you think your improv future looks like Ooh, I am at the moment trying to follow some advice that I think I'm not sure it came from Tina Fey or Amy Poehler, but the the two pieces of advice that I go for are one to improvise with as many people you can who are better than you. That's my um, my my goal, <laughs> and then the other one, which is to have fun making beautiful improv with your friends. Yeah. So they're my my two aimed at the moment. A few of the um, a few of my gang have signed up for a course at the Atom. We're very excited about oh, cool. so UCB style with Al and maybe Becky. Um, so that that'll be different. That's more long form, but it's game of the scene. We've done I think a lot more Chicago style, so doing some UCB is going to be quite exciting. It's an interesting term there that you used. Was that Tina Fey the one that said about performing with people that are better? Yeah, her, her or Amy Poehler, okay. one of, in, in one of their books, both of their autobiographies are great. So it's just the way I look at it is nobody's necessarily better. Everyone's just different. Yeah. Oh, and now, now I'm worried I put words in their mouths. I feel, <laughs> I feel like they might have said better by meaning people more experienced. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I think because I think you can be really experienced at something, but there can be someone that can be better than you at it having mm -hmm. been less experienced so someone someone may have been practicing improv for 10 years but that doesn't necessarily make them better than someone that's just discovered it because you may, just may have this natural talent for it yeah i um i quite like to think of it as particular skills yeah so to almost to look at the people who you're working with and identify something that they're really good at and watch and say that's that's what I want to be doing. I say this. I am. Um, I teach karate to children. This is another of my unusual hobbies, <laughs> and I'm always having to tell the kids off for talking when it's not their turn. So quite often the classes, all the kids together. Sometimes some of them have to sit down so that you can focus on the ones that have in their turn, and you swap them over. And the kids that sit down love to just start talking and chatting, and as kids do. And I always tell them off, and I'm saying, no, look look at what everybody else is doing and I used to say you know oh look at them and if you think that their punches are a bit sloppy make sure that when you do your punches they're not sloppy and then I realized now a much better way to say that is to say look at look at what someone's doing and if their kicks are fantastic then aim to do fantastic kicks there's just a a nicer perspective to have so yeah. You can sit in improv and you can go, oh, well, I wouldn't have cut that scene there. And oh, I wouldn't have steamrolled that scene like that person just did. But it's kind of nice to sit and watch and go, wow, that person might not have been the loudest and they might not have had the punchlines. But goodness gracious, they're great at supporting a scene 
or their object work, work is spot on or they just have um, you know, a, a particular accent or a particular characterization that they're great at. And that's when you notice those things, you want to up your game, right? You want to, you want to think, right, okay, I, I might have my two or three things that I think I'm doing pretty well, but now I also know there's these 10 other things that I want to practice with that person because I've seen them do something better than I can do it. Yeah. I think what is really cool about the improv community is when you go to a course, it could, it could well be taught by someone that like just the other day, you were just in like a normal uh, sort of drop-in session with them. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden they're teaching and then you'll go to the next one and someone else is teaching and the person that was teaching the last one is now just in it with you. And there's no, there's no great hierarchy. Like everyone's in it. Like yeah. Yeah, everyone's got skills and everyone's quite happy to learn from each other's skills. It makes me panic. Well, it did. I'm a bit more used to it now. I love a hierarchy. I love knowing exactly where I stand. I love knowing <laughs> who's in charge and who I'm in charge of. And that's that's not how, <laughs> most of the time, not how life works, but definitely not improv. And you can be in a situation like, so we're going to go and do this course with Al, who has got all this experience in something that's not very common in Liverpool, right? The UCB stuff. And we're so excited to learn from him. The first time I met him, I stood up on a course and was in a scene. I'd never met him, didn't know who he was, didn't know how experienced he was. That was just a welcome to meeting a new person in improv. And now I'm going to go and learn a, learn a bunch of cool stuff that he knows how to do that I don't know how to do from him. How, how exciting. <laughs> and you, um, it's, sometimes I want to get a bit embarrassed, you know, if you sort of, um, you, you cross paths with someone that you don't know because they're in a, just a different, run in different circles or they're in a different city or something. And then, um, you just play and then you go, oh my goodness, that's the guy in charge. That's the guy that made this whole course happen. He's got this like multiple decades of experience. And I've <laughs> I've just told him a joke about a chicken. Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's weird how it's weird how you like you're perceived by certain people or just what people know of you or think of you uh, based on any sort of interactions or just the fact that they've heard your name mentioned somewhere. Cause I get it because, you know, I host the show and I forget mm-hmm. that, you know, people listen to the show and they're all people within sort of the circles that I mix in and they'll listen to hear their, their friends interviews and stuff like that. And I reveal a lot about myself in these chats without even really realizing it. And I'm like, Oh yeah. So-and-so knows that about me because I said it on that show at that time. And then they listened to it and I was like, Oh yeah, it's so weird because you forget these are just conversations and mm-hmm. you know you don't reflect at the end of the day on all of your conversations you've had and i forget most of what i've said in these these chats and i'm like oh yeah i i say loads about myself and people know loads about me yeah you're like a minor celebrity now that everyone uh we can we can write little lists we can write you a wikipedia page and just update it every time we do a podcast and reveal more information about yourself mm. <laughs> I think there should be more minor celebrities celebrated because I can't think of any celebrity minors. Hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking of um, the people when you haven't heard their name in improv circles. So we did um, when we did our um, improv festival with David Escobedo, I hadn't heard his name. And it was, I think, Jen and um, someone else saying, oh, do, you know, do you know who's teaching on that? Do you know who's teaching? David Escobedo's teaching. And I had to be like, oh, yeah, wonderful. And then having met him, having worked with him, now I'm obsessed. Now I just think he's the coolest. (laughs) Yeah. And there is that weird thing, like 
if you know something, it's like when I go to Comic-Con, sometimes there's people there and they've got queues for miles and people are like dressed like them and they're super excited. But mm -hmm. if I don't watch that show or, or that film series, they mean nothing to me. And if they walk past me, they're just another person. So people are they're only as famous as anyone's mind makes them out to be because they're just regular yeah. people or, unless your brain makes them something else. Yeah, I love it when you see in um, in films and TV now where someone that's been quite famous at some point, but sort of the kids don't know who they are. So I remember seeing um, something about Sean Astin in the news and all the kids were like, don't, don't you say things like that about Bob from Stranger Things? And everyone else is going, how dare you disrespect Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings in this manner? And other people were like, that's the kid from the Goonies. How dare you not remember? Oh, you've got a Goonies t-shirt on. I'm wearing hey, a Goonies t-shirt. I, <laughs> I met Sean Astin and I've met Data from the Goonies. Um, oh. So yeah, that is my other favourite film, along with The Labyrinth, The Goonies. Amazing. We need uh, to have a film night, Ian. We clearly, clearly need to just sit and nerd out. <laughs> 100%. Uh, well, I feel like I could just talk to you about nerdy things all day long, but we are going to have to bring the show to a close. Uh, but before we finish, do you want to share any anything where people can find you on social media or any upcoming performances or anything coming up? I um, I I don't really exist on social media, unfortunately. Um, but I will say on the 7th of July at the Flying the Loop, there's going to be a showcase of two short form courses at LCI that are just finishing up so one is the short form for performance course I mentioned earlier so there's a, a couple of cats in trench coats in that team and a bunch of other people doing all sorts of fun short form games and then there's also I think it's a level two beginner short form who I understand are going to run a Henry oh very exciting well that leads me to something else people talk about types of uh types of improv oh it's a henry and then i'm just like oh, i don't know what they're talking about <laughs> i try i try and learn i know a henry we've done a henry i remember that one um there was a mention of something sometimes i google them so there was something called an oak tree recently and i googled that and it didn't help i've looked up the harold because that's a big famous one but there's just a lot of diagrams and i'd never understand what the diagram means <laughs> uh, also I think I'm just computing in my head that this actually goes out just after the 7th of July. So. Oh, well, we hope you all enjoyed the showcase on the 7th of July. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure people will come because it will have been advertised on all of the social medias mm -hmm. and uh, people will have had a wonderful time. We can just say now, like, oh, it was a great show, wasn't it? And we, did, we enjoyed seeing that show. It was wonderful. Uh, yeah, it, it was really good. Hats off to everybody. Top short form improv. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and on that note I'm going to say uh, farewell thank you very much great thanks Ian well thank you so much to Heather that was a really great chat I absolutely loved talking to her about improv and then about all things geeky uh, I feel I could have, have spoken to her for many many more hours about uh, the things that we just scratched the surface of there she's a really great improviser she's a lovely person and I'm excited uh, about just improvising with them more in the future and uh, about discussing our, our geeky interests together more in the future. 
So if you happen to see that she's in a workshop, a drop-in, or you see she's going to be doing a show with her troop there, cats in trench coats, then, you know, get along, check her out. She is a really, really great person, superb improviser, very subtle in what she does as well. Um, but what she brings to scenes uh, can often just be pure magic. So that was a great chat. I really had a great time. And again, uh, the show gives me an opportunity to sort of delve deeper into the people I'm meeting on the improv scene and help you delve deeper. And yeah, it was great for me because I felt, oh yeah, great. Uh, we, we connect on so many levels and there's so much that we can talk about. And hopefully you enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed actually having that chat. Now, something came up in that chat and... I, I was conscious that I didn't want to say the wrong thing, so I have done um, a bit of research since that chat. Uh, when I was talking about Warwick Davis and Ray from Ministry of Mayhem, uh, I wasn't sure how to refer to them, and I feel it is important that uh, we get it right. So I've done a bit of research, and the information I'm about to read to you comes from www.respectability.org, and this is what it says on the website. Appropriate terms include little person, person of short stature, dwarf, or LP, uh, though it is most respectful to refer to someone just by name, which I 100% agree. In the context that we were talking, um, you know, I was trying to uh, refer to a group of people and I wasn't sure, so I did sort of sidestep it in the interview, but um, that is. That is what I have been able to find for you. And it does go on to say that the word midget is considered highly offensive. So I think that's important as well because, you know, society has changed a lot and what used to be sort of commonly acceptable isn't acceptable anymore. And, you know, yes, I'm sure it was never acceptable to say these things, uh, but now is the time when we're trying to get things right out there. So I hope that I covered all of that respectfully i hope i wasn't derogatory in any way and uh, you know i feel it is important that i've got that information out there so i hope um that, that has been helpful and useful for uh, educational for those of you that didn't know and hopefully um for those that i was referring to hopefully uh, you uh, felt that I, I i wasn't offensive in any way because i would never ever uh, want to be offensive or derogatory you know I am I, I am not that that way inclined and I, I am uh, you know I'm, I'm a lover of everybody you know everybody has their place in this world for a reason and you know we, we are all we are all equal uh, so that brings this episode to an end really and it's been it's been a great one I've just said some wonderful things there about Heather, it was a great chat, and um, yeah, it, it's just it's it's crazy, really, how how you can barely know someone, but you can just instantly hit it off and have so much in common. And hopefully, you know, if if you've encountered Heather on the improv scene now, when when you see her, you'll think, oh yeah, yeah, like I I, I really feel I know her now, and I know that's happened with with previous guests on the show where they. They have sort of encountered people in drop-ins, etc., that they hadn't really interacted with before, but they felt that they knew them quite well already because they'd listened to them on this show. So uh, 
I, I love how this show does kind of bring the community together and I appreciate every single one of you uh, for listening and for spreading the word and for contacting me telling me that you enjoy the show or asking if you can be on the show so yeah that is fantastic keep those requests coming in and if you're interested in getting into improv or already involved in improv and want to try out a different improv scene then all the info you need can be found at www.liverpoolcomedyimprov.co.uk you can also check us out on facebook by searching for liverpool comedy improv and on twitter and instagram we are at live comedy improv there is also a facebook page for the show so just search for the liverpool comedy improv cast and you'll find all the links and all the relevant information uh, you could possibly need about the show on there if you are a member of the lci community and you'd like to be a guest on the show then please get in touch with me or with emma bird and we'll make arrangements as soon as possible now there's loads of uh, great shows coming up over the, the coming months and boss birds are coming to you every month with a show where they bring a, a guest team on and if you can get there that's fantastic it's generally the last friday of every month and you know the great thing about improv is every single gig is different you never know what you're going to get but you can always guarantee that you're going to have a good time so that's fantastic i'd like to also draw your attention to the 20th of august where i'll be putting on a show on a show? That's not even a thing. We're putting on a show with Flincher Funnybone Improv, which is something Seki and I have set up here in North Wales, where I am based. And um, that's going to feature lots of LCI alumni. The Oikers will be performing. Uh, Melina Fiol will be doing a comedy set. And it's going to be a great night of hybrid entertainment, of stand-up comedy and uh, improv. And, and I'll be doing a bit of stand-up as well, so if you're interested in seeing, hey, what's Ian like as a stand-up then uh, come along and hopefully uh, have a good time so you can find information about that by searching for Flincher Funnybone which is the group that I run with Seki and you can find the links to buy tickets on there and it should be a great night and we're really excited about it and just more opportunities for people to perform to an audience and do what they love we're, we're all about that and you know we're all where we are because of LCI and uh, we're just spreading that LCI love and joy uh, far and wide so if you can get along to that that would be great we'd really love to see you there but keep checking out the LCI website Facebook page as well because there's loads of great shows and entertainment coming your way from LCI and loads of ways to learn there's courses drop-ins you name it LCI is there to provide so whatever your level, whatever your interest, hopefully there is something for you, whether you want to get involved or just watch, check out the Liverpool Comedy Improv social media or the website and you'll find everything you need to put you in the right direction. And if you are listening on Apple or Spotify, please don't forget to give us a five-star rating and leave us a positive review because anything like that can really help to spread the word and get our name out there. And if you want to stalk me on social media in any way shape or form you can find me on twitter facebook instagram youtube and now tiktok just search for at ian luke jones on all of those things and you'll see me getting up to all sorts of silliness on there and that pretty much brings us to the end of this week's episode it was a really really fun chat and i hope you enjoyed it as much as i did and i look forward to coming back 
in a couple of weeks with a brand new episode with another fantastic guest. But until then, I will leave you with some words that are wise, wise, wise. Always remember, whatever the situation, to treat life like improv and yes and...